Hey, how many people in, uh, in here are sick this morning? Anybody sick? Come up here if you're sick. I'm really going to tell you this right now. I'm 1,000% committed to anointing the sick with oil in this church. So if we don't do it during the ministry time, we're doing it now because that's what Jesus did. And I believe that's what we need to be doing. Um, if we're not doing it, we're missing the opportunity to to see the kingdom of God come. Sick, what else? Disease. Anybody got any diseases this morning? <laughs> okay, well, you know, uh, here... Here's the truth about healing. Healing is not a uh, add-on to the gospel. Okay? It's not an add-on. It is central to the gospel. It's central to the atonement. It's central. If the church don't make that central, we're not making the gospel central. Now, I'm telling you, read the Bible. Read the Bible. You're going to find that healing is central to the gospel message. And so I don't care what anybody says. I know all that's been misused and abused by over the centuries of the church, but it doesn't matter. We still need to be make what's central, central. Well, obviously, I can't pray for everybody up here by myself. Anybody else want to come out here and lay hands on the sick? Come on. Anybody got an anointing on them? Uh, I got some oil. I got lots of oil. I got oil in this vessel right here. I got oil, I got oil flowing out of heaven on me. Yes, sir, I do. You can have some oil today operating in you. Come on. The Holy Ghost is symbolizing the Bible by oil, okay? That's what he's symbolized by, oil. Oil, oil, everybody say oil. That's a symbol for for the Holy Spirit who is God, okay? So we're smearing people with a symbolic anointing that God's going to be on them and do what he does. We don't heal people. We're not healers. God heals them. We're just declaring his healing over them this morning, declaring and believing that God will heal because that's what he's always done. And we're asking God to bring a healing right now in Jesus' name. If you're sitting out there, reach your hands up if you would and just pray for those who are sick. If you have family or friends that are sick, you can pray for them right now also. I do appreciate what we were doing, uh, inner healing of the hearts. God wants to heal your heart. He wants to heal your marriage. He wants to heal your body. He wants to heal your brain, get your brain right. There's people in this room, you need to put your hand on your brain, put your hand on your head. And say, God, get this thing right up here. It's trying to rule me, and I need it to serve me. And I'm telling my mind today to stop ruling and start serving. You need to tell your mind that. Stop ruling, start serving. Do your job. Don't try to do the Spirit's job. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, you're a healer. Heal, Lord. Holy Spirit, we declare healing in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we're anointing with oil in the name of Jesus. We're speaking our words in the name of Jesus. Everybody say the name of Jesus. That's the name. That's the name we're leaning on. That's the name we're trusting in. We're trusting what he's done, not what we're doing. 
Do you hear what I'm saying to you? We're trusting what he's done, not what we're doing. We're trusting what Jesus did for us. Not what we're doing because we're faulty and we're uh, weak. But he's not faulty. He's not weak. We're not, you know, the Bible says some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we'll trust the Lord. That's who we're trusting right now as we pray. We're trusting the Lord to bring about a miracle and to bring about a healing in His glorious name, His beautiful name. God wants to raise up uh, in our eyes. He wants to exalt Jesus in the church. That's what He wants to do. He wants to exalt Jesus. He doesn't want to exalt people. He wants to exalt Jesus. And when Jesus is exalted, He will bring people with Him. He said, I'll draw people. It's when we exalt the Lord, he'll draw us right into where he's at and, and draw others who need to be drawn in. So the best evangelism is to lift up Jesus first and exalt Jesus. And that's going to cause an evangelistic wave. We just thank you for that today, Lord. Thank you for your healing power and healing anointing. Yes, sir. Yes, and amen. So last week, uh, Sarah was supposed to lead worship, and she had to stay home because she was sick. She was, like, sick all week, and then it just kept getting worse and worse. And I, I managed to come and play drums last week, and I just had it in my heart. <clears throat> you know, sometimes when you're under sickness, it's just so, it's hard, right? You're like, Lord, heal me. Please heal me, and you don't get any better. And you're like, oh. But I knew, I was like, Lord, I know that you've got something, and I know that you're moving and healing at church. And I knew that I just wanted to get here, and I knew there'd be an impartation. I just believed that. That Sometimes when we get together with other people, it gets us over that hump that we can't get over on our own. Yeah. And so I stood in. I needed, I wanted healing for me, too. I mean, I was doing much better, but Sarah was homesick. And so I went home after, after church. And she said that, yeah, now that I, because I asked her how she's doing when I walked in the door, she said, oh, I'm doing so much better. I'm like, and, and I asked her and she thought about it and, and it was pretty much the exact same time. It must have been the same time that we were praying here is when she said it turned. Now, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Because she was, like, going down. It was getting worse and worse. And um, so thank you, Jesus. And I was so excited um, and grateful to the Lord. Um, I went on Monday morning, and I had a fellow at work who has diabetes, and I just felt the Lord say, I want you to go talk to him and pray for him because we need to do faith and works. I believe Jesus heals, so I need to put some action to it, right? So... I go in his office, he's one of, he's one of the managers, and we would just talk in the morning, and I, and I just shared with him, I, I believe in Jesus, I follow Jesus, and I believe that he heals, I've seen him do it, um, and he let me pray for him, and then guess what happened? He started opening up, he started saying, oh, you know, talking about his life, talking about how, you know, his marriage, and and how, you know, they've gone to church, and he's like, oh, I really need to get back to going to church. It's amazing how people just start opening up, and uh, the Lord's moving. 
He's moving and he's healing. There's something happening. This isn't just an exercise. This is happening right now. What do I do with this oil besides? <laughs> See, what happened to that, uh, his manager was he experienced being loved. Okay, so here, here's your easiest answer about healing. Well, God doesn't heal. Everybody don't get healed. Why, 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 why? Call the wambulance, right? And I'm tired of that now because anytime you pray for a person, you are having, if, whether they get healed, you want them to heal. Yes, we're going to contend for it. But we can love somebody. And what do they do? They, their heart gets open because they felt somebody cared about them and took the time to pray for them. And ask God to do something for him. And it caused that man's heart to be opened. And you never know what the Lord may do after that. It could be not just a physical healing. It could be that. And his whole family could be delivered from satanic stuff. Amen. Okay, that's great, isn't it? I'm just so happy. So I'm enjoying hearing people's testimonies about healing because we want to get the uh, encourage you that this is not just something that happened, but it's something that happens, right? It's not just something historical. It was beautiful that it's historical. We needed it to be that, but we need to get it into our world. The healing of Jesus. So I had a couple of prophetic things that the Lord was showing me during worship that, that I thought was pretty good, so I'll share it with you. I know many of you get prophetic stuff during worship, uh, and sometimes you share it, and sometimes you don't. Because sometimes it's for, for you. I always tell people, here's what you need to, when you get stuff, Lord, is that for me, or is that for my friend, or is it for everybody? That's how you can kind of determine, you know, because a lot of times God will be talking to me, and he's like, that ain't for everybody else. I'm trying to get you straightened out, son. <laughs> they don't need to hear your stuff. But I was, uh, the God who sees... El Roi, you know who named the God who sees? A woman named him, named Hagar. Hagar, whether you know her or not, Hagar was the mother of Ishmael. Ishmael is the mother of the Arab nations. And, she, and God liked that name that she gave him. She named him. You might need to ask God something about who, uh, give him a You might have a name to give God that he might like it. I was thinking about myself. I'm the, I feel like I'm always in the catch-up mode spiritually. You know what I'm talking about? Not catch-up like Heinz. <laughs> I'm talking about catching up. It's like I'm behind the curve. God's doing something, and I'm like, wow, I missed all that. Where was I at? You know what? And I'm, so I was saying, God, you're the God who's going to catch me up. Does anybody feel like you're lagging? He's the God of acceleration, that, oh, that's who you are. You're the God of... Anybody need to be accelerated this morning? Anybody feel like, Lord, have mercy. I've been doing this for 40-something years, and look at me. I'm pitiful. I need a catch-up anointing. I need that. You're the God who catches me up. God wants to catch some people up in this room. You know, and if he will let Hagar name him, he'll let you name him. You know, I believe Hagar's in heaven. That's my personal belief. You know, isn't that beautiful? Uh, the other thing I was feeling, that's just what I felt. I feel like there's people in this room, you feel like you're behind spiritually. And God says, I'm going to catch you up if you'll let me. You know, God, this is what the Lord's doing for us when we're going through difficulties or going through trials. 
He's in there with you. He's fighting for you whether you realize it or not. He's fighting for your healing. He's fighting for your deliverance. He's right there with you. I do agree that uh, what they were saying in the prayer meeting, that was really the, the right on word about becoming aware of the presence of the Lord. God is with us. There's no doubt about that. And, but we need to become more aware of that. I don't know about you, but I have a lot more uh, confidence. My faith is more activated when I'm aware of the presence of the Lord. Okay? Now, I know we walk by faith, walk by sight. Don't get all religious on me. Let's get some real stuff here, folks. We, I'm a... I, sometimes I just need God to let me know we're good. Keep going. Okay? I just sometimes need that. If you're so dark and religious you don't, then tough. Don't tell him not to mess with you. Tell him never to give you his presence that you can be aware of it. Sometimes we get crazy. Am I being crazy? Well, I am crazy. But it takes a little craziness sometimes to, to do what God's called you to do. You know what I'm saying? Pete did a great job, didn't he? Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, you need to find out who you are spiritually. Okay? That's what you really need to do. I've discovered this, um, who I am spiritually, and, and there's lots of ways that happens. But, but we all have a spiritual DNA, we, just like we have a natural DNA, right? There's a spiritual DNA. And... Uh, Basically, there's two tribes that really kind of made it. It was uh, the Benjamin, Benjaminites. Marlon was talking about them throwing rocks and killing people. (laughs) And then there was uh, Judah, right? Judah was the worshipers. And I just really feel like, I mean, that's really, you know, Caleb. That's sort of where I trace my spiritual heritage back to uh, is, is Caleb in the Bible. And, you know, Caleb got his inheritance, right? Not because he was passive, but because he went after it. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? It's, y'all, listen, it just ain't going to fall into your lap. It's there. As someone once said, God will give you what you need. Right? He'll give you, he'll meet your needs, but he's not necessarily going to meet your heart's desires. You have to do something with God to get those desires to come true. Being a passive Christian is not being a biblical Christian. You need to, to, to really go after what God's put in your heart. You don't need to sit around and wait for God to do something. If he puts something in your heart, that's what he's done to get you going. Are y'all good? Yes and amen. Let me read this. That was not my message. I'm going to do this. Um, Let me read uh, Matthew 24, 1, verse 1 and 2. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I'll tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished, completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Wow, isn't that an amazing verse there? I've, uh, you know, that was the last time. That was when Jesus, that, he left the temple. He never went back into it. And I may have shared that recently. I, I was just uh, very um, 
I don't know about you, but Matthew 23, Matthew 24, Matthew 25 are not kind of like favorite chapters in the Bible to me. You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, those are, mm, you know, you know, Matthew 23, Jesus. Hey, listen, Jesus started out his ministry preaching uh, the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who, blessed, 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 blessed. His last message that he preached was sorrow awaits you. Talking to the Pharisees, he did that seven or eight times. Sorrow awaits you. Sorrow awaits you. Sorrow awaits you because you and he let let them know why sorrow awaits them. Uh, that's in Matthew twenty three. So I'm like, I don't. I'm not into this. You know, I'm not into that. And then in, in Matthew uh, twenty four, uh, he talks about the future. And so that's kind of goes along with. You know, Bible prophecy, not talking about giving people prophetic words, it's talking about predicting the future based on what the Bible says, which I have never been into, by the way, okay? Because I don't think anybody who I've ever heard do a whole lot of that were even, even in my opinion, like, y'all are not even in the ballpark, you know? I, I sort of grew up around people who were really into that before I was a Christian, and I f- absolutely felt disdain for how what here's why I felt disdain because all they talked about was Jesus was going to come back and this was going to happen and you know this and that but they live like hell and I'm thinking if y'all believed all that you wouldn't be acting that way so it was a turn off to me so I guess I'll sort of let that infiltrate my heart when it came to looking at the future you know, the book of Revelation and trying to, tat, you know, and I know there's people who really have a, a gifting in that area. Okay, I'm not putting that down. I'm just saying I don't have a gifting in that area. So I don't really mess with it too much. But a couple years ago, not a couple years, a little, a little over a year ago, uh, the Lord spoke to me out of Matthew 25. And it was really powerful. It was strong what he told me. And I've shared it a few times. It's when it's, it talks about when Jesus returns, the second coming of Jesus, where he separates the sheep nations from the goat nations. And, you know, I've probably read that a million times in my life. But I, I was pretty overcome that day reading that and what he said about who were sheep and who were goats. And I felt a lot of conviction in my life about what Jesus said there. And, and I've tried to, you know, I've re- had a lot of repentance since that time in my life. Uh, and to really begin, when I'm talking about repentance, like I was wrong, Lord. And I've really not paid attention to this part of my Christian life as much as I should have. And the part is, is you know, if you you know, clothed me, if you've fed, if you've visited the sick, you've done it to me. That's what Jesus said, y'all. And he wasn't saying that's going to get you in heaven. He's just going to say, these are what my people do. They do these things. They do these things. He didn't say, oh, let's separate the sheep from the goats. Okay, you prophesied really good. You preached well. You're going to be a sheep. He didn't say that. It was something more real and more practical. I'm not, I need to get off that subject. Okay, I'm getting on it. 
But what I did, though, is I decided I was going to back up and find out what led to Jesus saying that. What was he talking about before them? In other words, I was trying to look at things in context, which I believe is very important when you, when you study the Word of God. I think we have to look at it from a context. We can't, we can't just randomly pull out verses. We need to look at what's happening around that verse and make sure that if we're randomly, if we're pulling it out, that we're using it properly. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay, well, I've just said all that now. So, <clears throat> I don't want to talk to you about the future. Okay? Uh, but here's what Jesus did. Once he said that to his disciples, he began to talk about what's going to happen in the future. He looked across the centuries of time and began to discuss, this is what's going to be happening. This is what's going to go on with people. This is what's going to go on in, the, in nature. Even, he even talked about the stars. He, he talked about stuff that's going to happen. Because he said it was. And, but then he kind of sh- subtly shifts gears. In the midst of all that, he shifts gears and begins to talk about what we People who are living in this future that's right now, what we need to do and how we need to be to be able to perceive exactly what somebody was saying, perceiving what he's doing, perceiving what he's saying, perceiving what's around us. That's what he began to talk about and how to, how to protect yourself from what, what's going on in the world and, and that thing coming at you. Are y'all following this? That's, if, you, if, you read, if you read Matthew 24 and 25, it's undoubtable what he did. And here's a, a couple verses. Uh, Matthew 24, I'm just going to skip around. It says in verse 12, sin will be rampant everywhere. Hello. Sin will be rampant everywhere. If that's not... We're living in an age where they're calling good bad and bad good like never in our history. Stuff that five, ten years ago nobody would declare is now being trumpeted by certain people, by Hollywood and by the government. Trumpeting things that are absolutely evil and saying it's good. And for the people who don't agree with it, you're messed up and we're going to get you. That's what, that's, that's what, it's rampant. It's rampant. And it's, and it's rampant because Jesus said it's going to be rampant. And then he said this, and the love of many will grow cold. You see, the love of many will grow cold. The love of many, not a few, many. Now, when we read that, we need to be thinking, I don't want to be in the many. I want to be in the few. I don't want to be in the crowd. He's talking about believers now. The love of believers. So, what happens, you know, when your love grows cold, there's, there's something that happens to you. When your passion for the Lord starts waning or starts dampening down, you start getting spiritually lethargic. You Suddenly, you don't have this desire in you. You don't have this passion in you about God and about spiritual things. And that's what Jesus 
talks about here. He begins to address that because he was trying to let us know there's a spirit of this age that's coming that's going to work against our hearts. And it can cause our hearts to get damped. And it's, there's many ways it comes. It's not just out and out sin. He was just saying that's the good news. It can be because you have the, you know, the Bible calls it the desire for other things. Suddenly, you have gotten involved in something that's not evil, not wicked, but because it's such a great thing, it's become too big in your life. Yeah. It could be your business. It could be your property. It could be anything. It could be your relationships. And they become big. And little by little, insidiously, subtly, it's not like in a day, oh, you were doing great in the Lord. You were being used by God. It's like not the, the next day you suddenly were not doing that. It's little by little by little by little by little by little. And then one day you wake up and you are drifting from God. The things that are important to God are no longer important to you. The passions in the Lord's heart are not the passions that you have anymore. And you can look around Christianity in America today and see that. Listen, Christianity in America today is shrinking. Why is it shrinking? Not because people want to be bad people, but because there's a spiritual sleepiness that has come upon many Christians. There really is. It's on many Christians. And, and that it, people like, you know, Becky mentioned about people deserting the church. That's not the, the point's not the church. That's really not the point. The point is their hearts. Their hearts are growing cold and they don't even know it. Therefore, they start shuffling the things that are important to God. There's other things become more important to them. Oh, I don't, I'm tired today. There's no heart of sacrifice in them. Are y'all following this? And I'm just kind of, now this is not saying anything about any of us. I'm just saying this is the condition of the world. Listen to this other verse I wanted to read to you. Okay, verse 42. So you too must keep watch. You must keep watch. That's what Jesus said. For you do not know what, the, what day your Lord is coming. So that's what he was saying. I'm going to show up uh, unexpectedly. I mean, that was the whole thing about the second coming. But let me just apply this, not just to the second coming. Let's just apply the day that the Lord shows up in your life where God came to visit you, God came to do something for you, but you are over here distracted and you're not in the place that you should be. You hear what I'm saying to you? You can miss the Lord, y'all. You can miss the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean you've missed him ultimately because God will come back around and, you know, he's the God, the second, third, fourth, and fifth chance. So, you know, for me, it's like 5,480 chances, many chances. But I don't want to miss the Lord. I don't want to miss the Lord. You know, God's going to move again powerfully in the church, I believe, and he's going to use people uh, the, there's going to be this outpouring of the Holy Spirit and it's going to come through people. That's how it's going to happen. That's the way God does it. I, this is the way I feel about it. I, I either want to be one of those people or I want to be with one of those people. You know, I'm good to just be with one. I just want to be when God outpours His Spirit. I don't want to be with the wrong people. You know, when God's pouring out His Spirit and I'm with the wrong people that's hindering me from having everything God has for me. I would ask you all if, if you're good, but I'm not. 
How many people know about the book, The Pilgrim's Progress? Anybody ever read The Pilgrim's? Wow, y'all are good. I'm impressed. Written in 1674. It's a Christian classic. John Bunyan wrote it. John Bunyan was a highly spiritual man, had visitations from angels, uh, very loved in the evangelical world, but they don't read all his other spiritual experience stuff. They'd hate, his, hate him over some of the stuff he said. I mean, absolutely hate him. He went to heaven and saw his mama in heaven. This angel took him to heaven one time. This angel came and visited John Bunyan. I, I just want you all to know this. I found this book by John Bunyan in the Baptist bookstore. It was on the clearance rack, and it was by, yeah, nobody was buying it. The Baptist looked at it, oh, I don't know, I better not buy that. He had this angel to come to him, and he said this angel was so powerful, he couldn't stand being in the angel's presence, could not stand it, because this angel had so much glory on him. Finally, the angel said, I'm going to touch you, and when I touch you, it's going to give you the ability to stand in my presence. So this angel touched John Bunyan. I love this story. It just so much fun. This angel's touched him and took, actually took him into hell. Believe what you want. Everybody believe Pilgrim's Progress. You know, it's a classic. Oh, that can't be God. That's heresy. <laughs> took him into heaven and saw his mama. You know what his mama said to him? He went, went and started talking. She said, I'm not your mama here. That's what she said. I'm not your mama here. I'm a daughter. You're a son. That's what, what she told him. This is 1600 revelation. Isn't that powerful? He said other things in that book. I love that book. I got it hidden. But anyway, this is beautiful in Pilgrim's Progress. There was these two characters. I think there were four characters. Christian and Hopeful were two of them. And they were traveling together, Christian and Hopeful was, and they came to this place that Christian was talking to Hopeful. Hopeful like, oh, I want to... I'm tired, I want to sleep. And Christian started warning, hopeful. Like we were told about this place and they called it the, the uh, we're traveling over the enchanted ground. The air of which is very heavy and sleep producing. Enchanted ground. The air is very heavy and sleep producing. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for the world we're living in now. We're living and we're walking on enchanted ground. And the air, the prince of the power of the air has made this air very heavy and very sleep producing. That's what it does to Christians. It makes Christians drowsy. It makes Christians sleepy. And when you're drowsy and sleepy, you lose touch. And that's why Jesus was saying, you've got to keep watch. You better watch out. You better pay attention to yourself. Um, it also says, uh, Christian says this to Hopeful, how dull we are to perceive the unseen. How dull we are to perceive the unseen. Or to meet the great opportunities of life. Yeah. In other words, and I think that's what Jesus was warning us about in these verses in, these, in chapter 24 and 25, is there's a dullness that comes on Christian in the last days, there's this dullness that's going to attach itself because we're living on an enchanted ground. We're living under the prince of the power of the air. And, and not only it will cause our perception, our ability to connect spiritually, it's going to dull it down. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? It's going to dull it down. And you're going to miss opportunities that God has for you. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell 
all the generations, you've got to, that's why he said you've got to keep watch. You've got to pay attention. That's what Jesus' words. You've got to pay attention. But here's the cool thing. You know, this is cool, man. I, I've, I never saw this before until I really started thinking about it. He then starts telling these parables. He told three parables. Okay? Three parables. In Matthew, and the first one's in Matthew 24. The other two are in Matthew 25. Here, and you know all these parables. These are very you know, famous parables, at least a couple of them are. The first one is the parable of the wise and faithful servant. And he talked about a servant that had been entrusted to the king's goods. And he said, and the king delayed in coming. And so this servant became slothful and began to get drunk. Began to get drunk and began to abuse his fellow servants. And he said, the master is going to show up at a time when he does not expect it. That's what he said. And what he was given was a warning that this dullness will lead people into those kind of attitudes where getting drunk on alcohol or getting drunk on the world or getting drunk on whatever it is becomes the thing, but not realizing that's affecting you. It's affecting you relationally. God's really concerned relationally. Are y'all following this? Okay, that's really cool. I love that parable. You know, some commentator says, oh, it's for leaders. I think, boy, it's for everybody. It's not just for leaders. Are you kidding me? It's for every human, every Christian person that's walking on this earth. Okay, then he tells these other two parables, which explains how... To stay alert. And he tells us, this is so cool to me. The other two parables is the parable of the five wise and five foolish virgins right after that. And then the other parable is the talent parable, what we call the parable of the talents. So what he's saying is, here's how you become a wise person. And he tells the parable of the wise and foolish version. And then he tells this is how you become a faithful person. He tells the parable of the talents. See, what both of those two talents, both of those two parables were, were explaining, this is how you don't do what this bad guy did when he started getting drunk. This is what's going to keep you from going in that direction in your life. Does that make sense? Now, that's, what, that's what's happening here. That's not obvious. When you, I used to read it like, well, the, the parable, the, you know, this, got this parable, got this parable. There, there were no connection with them. They were all connected. They were all one story that he was trying to tell to prepare us to make sure that we're aware spiritually and we can begin to perceive spiritually and pay attention spiritually and understand what's going on around us. I mean, it's powerful, man. I have spent years studying the scriptures about uh, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, having eyes to see. And I never saw right here, Jesus says, you want to know how I would teach that? This is how I taught it. This is how I taught how to perceive spiritually. That's, that's what he did. It was, this is Jesus' thing. So I wanted to tell you this couple things, okay, are we, are, st- are we still okay? I'm not asking if you're okay, I said we. 
I'm tricking y'all. Can I read this to you? Just a couple little things here. Uh, I'm just going to read. I'm not going to read both of these parables all the way through, but I do want to read this. Uh, this is the one that's really gotten on me that I, I can't seem to escape it. Uh, it says, the kingdom of heaven, this is Matthew 25, the kingdom of heaven, whenever Jesus said that, we need to pay attention because he's saying this is the way things are going to work. This is the way I want it to work. Will be like bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Let me just explain this to you real quick. In the culture of Jesus' day, weddings were at night. Okay? And unlike, and if you're a man with many daughters, God bless you. (laughs) In that culture, it was the bridegroom's family that was responsible for everything. So they were the central people versus the bride, right? Nowadays, when you do weddings, like, who cares what the bridegroom thinks? What, what do you want? Forget it. What do you want, darling? It's all you. Your daddy's paying for this. You get what you want. And if he don't like it, y'all can work it out, you know, after the honeymoon. You know? You know what I'm saying? But it was opposite that. And what would happen is they would get engaged in all this stuff and, and then the bridegroom would come at, at an unexpected time at night. So, are y'all, so that's kind of how this deal, that's the quick version of the Jewish wedding in Jesus' day. It's pretty different, really. Um, I'm glad it wasn't because I had two sons and one daughter. Like I only had to pay for one. and It took me years to pay for that. So then he says... And, it's, and I think this is a cool parable because he doesn't talk about the bride or really the bridegroom at all. He just mentions the bridegroom coming. It's nothing about them. It's about the, the bridesmaids. Okay? That's, that's what it's all about. Them. That's because he's trying to give us an insight. And so it says five were foolish and five were wise. That's the division. The five who were foolish, listen, this is why he said they were foolish. They didn't take enough oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. Bottom line, okay? One, he wasn't saying this. He wasn't saying this is a moral thing. He didn't say five were sinners and five were righteous people. It was nothing about righteousness. It wasn't nothing about morality. It was about that one thing. Five of them didn't think they needed this oil. They thought they had enough. They didn't, they weren't concerned about having more oil. They were all using the oil they had for the proper use, right? Which for their use, it was for light. They were all using it right, they were all doing right, but they made a, the five foolish made a serious blunder. The serious blunder was we have enough oil, we're good. Now, that's what Jesus was warning in the end times. They're going to be believers. We're good. We don't need a move of God. We don't need this Holy Ghost. I'm just going to be honest with you. That is going to lead you to the foolish side. If that's how you think. I'm just telling you what he said. I'm just telling you what he said. And what we're seeing in the church today is we're seeing a diminishing of the value of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit for lots of different reasons. Some reasons are legit. You're like, yeah, yeah, we need to kind of correct that kind of foolishness. 
but most of them are not legit. And I feel like if there's one thing that I feel like the Lord has been telling me is you need more of my activity, more of my power, and more of my presence, and more of my anointing in your life. If you think for one moment you've got it all, you're a foolish boy. Now listen, let me, let me clarify this. When, when we got saved, we got born again, we became a new creation, right? But that's our spirit. My soul is not that perfected yet. My soul is not fully conformed to Jesus Christ. My soul is not walking as Jesus walked. That's the part that needs the oil. My spirit doesn't need the oil. I'm oiled up in my spirit. I'm a vessel of oil in my spirit. The problem is a lot of that oil is not getting up into to the rim of my soul, into the rim of my heart, into the rim of my thinking. And it's definitely not getting enough of it. It's not getting out where I can touch other people and that oil touches them, that power touches them, that anointing touches them. Now, that's the truth of the Bible, y'all. Now, you can say, we can explain the Holy Spirit away, but we're making a mistake. And apparently, when Jesus, at the end times, he was apparently saying about half the church is going to make that mistake. About half the church. Because there were five wise and five foolish. That's not a good testimony, is it? And so we wonder why the church in America is shrinking. You know, you need to ask yourself where you stand on that. I'll be honest with you. I'm asking myself. And, you know, being living a lifestyle of repentance is pretty good, really. You know, it really is. It's, not, it's just a good time because you can always say to God, you know, Lord, I was wrong about that. I'm sorry. I want to be right about it. Please help me, Lord. Please forgive me. Well, you know he's already forgiven you uh, before we even asked him. It was done. It's a done deal. But we need to get the reality of that working in our life. Otherwise, we're going to be hindered and hurt. And, but I just feel in my life, I've done a lot of repenting in the last year. A lot of repenting. A lot of repenting. And it's mainly been around things that I felt God wanted that I didn't want or I wouldn't go after. That's, that's, it's been mainly around those things. Like the healing thing. I mean, I have repented over and like, Lord, I am sorry. I feel like I've just missed it about that, Lord. I haven't really seen it the way you've seen it. And it's, it, there's just brokenness in my heart over it now because I've realized Christ paid a huge price for that. And I have let my inadequacy and my failures and my thinking to stop me from seeing Christ have the honor and glory that he deserves. And the only way we can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit because the Bible says that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power and went about doing good and healing those who were afflicted by the devil. Acts 10, 38. And that's how this thing works. So I really encourage, I want to encourage you about the oil. Get oil. Get oil. No matter how much you got, get more. Get more. You need to get, we need to get into that. We're flowing. It's overflowing in our life. You know, that's the dream where it's just overflowing. And you get oil by being with him and allowing him to speak to you and allowing him to work in your heart and, and just doing and submitting and, you know, just submit to him and surrender 
Surrender your opinion. Surrender all that stuff and let him. Just let him do what he does. And then take some chances. Take some risk. Step out there. And when you fail, because you will, get up. Brush your hiney off and like, I fell. What do we need to do now? But I'm still good to keep going, Jesus. I'm not going to stop. Give me confidence. Give me boldness. They prayed that. Let me read this other thing. Are you all right? I'm, I should not have asked you that. <laughs> the other parable, this is one of the most famous parables there is in the Bible, I think, is the parable of the talents. Everybody knows that. Uh, you know, here's the, ta- here's the parable. There were three people, three servants, and their master was going on a long trip. And he gave each one of them a talent. One he gave five, one two, and one one. Uh, the New Living Translation says he gave them each a bag of silver because a talent was money in their day, a bag of silver. And I have read where uh, people believe one talent was worth like 40 years or something. No, not 40, 15 years. 15 years of an average man, working man's salary. 15 years. For one talent guy, that would be close in America to close to $1 million today. Close to $1 million. The, the, fifth, the, the five guy, you know, he was loaded and he got $5 million. You know? But think about it. That kind of really puts it in a different thought. Suddenly somebody hands you a million dollars. Oh, I only got a million dollars. You know, oh, I must not be any good. Oh, woe is me. Look at me. I knew God didn't like me. Because look at my friend over there, $5 million. And I only got $1 million. You know, that sort of gives you a different thought on this. And so we know this is, this is important. So, you know, he gave them the money. He said, do business with it until I return. You know, and, and he took off. Notice he didn't say, here's how I want, what I want you exactly to do with that money. He didn't say, put it in the stock market. He didn't say, invest it in gold. He didn't say, jack. He gave it to them according to their ability. Go use your ability with what I've given you. Don't sit around and wait for a bunch of information that I am not giving you. I've given you what you need is what he was saying. You have the ability. Go for it. Invest it. And you know the two guys, the five and the two talent guy. This is all right here in the Bible. I'm just telling it to you. The two guys, when he came back, doubled. Right? Five million, ten million. That's pretty good. I'd like to get that, right? $10 million, yes and amen. I'll take a million. <laughs> uh, and the two, mil, two talent guy, you know, two bag of silver, he, was, he had $2 million and brought it to the Lord, to, to the master, and he's like, wow, awesome, well done, good and faithful. So he was talking about being faithful on this one. The, the other one was about being wise. Here's how you be faithful. Here's how, what, where faithfulness comes in. You hear me? Jesus said in the first, first parable, the, the, the wise and faithful servant versus an evil servant. Here's how you be wise. Get oil. Are y'all getting this? Here's how you be faithful. I've put something. I have invested in you. I have invested in you. I have invested. And you're sitting around bearing what I invested. Many Christians have buried it. Why? 
Well, I think Melissa brought up some good points about the shame, about I'm not good enough. I got a bad past. I failed. I tried to do stuff. It didn't work. Are y- y'all following that, right? That's, that's kind of what our thinking was. Oh, I wanted to tell you this one other thing that I saw uh, about those two that use their stuff. He said in the New King James, it says, enter into the joy of the Lord. Uh, I think the NLT says, enter into the celebration. There's something about joy. There's something about celebration. A lot of Christians don't have it, right? We know the Bible says in His presence is fullness of joy. That's fullness of joy. Here's the Bible saying, you want joy? You want some joy in your life? Take what I've given you and start using it and you will begin to enter in to joy. That's what he's saying there. He said it. He said that's a secret to joy. I've never seen that before. I was just reading that thing. Wow. Why? Now I get it. Why we're, we're many times we're, we're joyless. Is we're not walking in joy. It's because we're not using we're not what he's given us. It really is. So let me just tell you a couple things real quick about the guy who didn't. I knew this for a long time because I was that guy for a long time. In fact, I was questioning, did I get anything? In fact, I didn't get the phone call. They were giving out talents, and they said, don't call him. We ain't giving him nothing. Well, I went and begged and borrowed and stole from my friends. I don't mind telling you, I've gotten a lot of good stuff from my friends. I really have. I've really got some friends that have really highly impacted me in my life uh, that I've just stole some of their stuff. Oh, wow, Marlon, I like that. I think I'll take that. <laughs> just look away. Oh, somebody said this. Mm, it was Marlon. I've been so motivated by different people in my life and helped in my life by other believers. And most of them, well, all of them that I've been helped by were ones that were dead set on following Jesus, dead set on it. Whether it was a good day or a bad day, they were going on. So thank you for being that for me, for those who have really impacted my life, because I'm very impacted by other people, and I will admit, I will steal your stuff from you. <laughs> you got a bunch of, you got 15 million? I think I'd like to have a million. I'm just going to get a million. Pray for me. Get me this impartation that you have on you. That's how you get some of their stuff. But the guy who didn't, he uh, said, let me read that part, okay? Uh, he said, uh, well... Master, this is in verse 24. Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. That sounds like a rough guy, right? You're talking about somebody stealing, you know, stealing people's crops. I was afraid. Everybody say afraid. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I have gotten some interest on it. Notice the master didn't argue with him about it. I'm not arguing with you. I'm not going to argue with you, Byron, if you think I'm a mean God. God has never argued with me about that, about my view of him. He has just told me, you need to see me different because I'm not what you think I am. And you need to learn how to see me different in every situation you're in. 
But he's never argued when I've said, God, I don't believe you're mean, you're, you're being bad, that's the way I feel towards you. He's never tried to defend himself. He just basically ignored it and went on about his business. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and, I'll, and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. See, that's the spiritual secret. If you, that's how you get more, is you use what you got. You give it away. You let it out. And if you'll do that, this is what I tell people all the time. I have a lot of dreams from the Lord. Okay? And the reason I do is I cultivate those dreams. If it's about somebody, usually I'll talk to them about it. I don't just sit on what God's given me. And if you will begin in any area of your life, finances, give money. Spirituality, revelation, give it away. Find a way to give it. Get words for people, give the words to them. Find a way to do that and, and start with the little you got. And if you will do it, God will see that he can invest more in you and give you more. But if you're not going to use what he's given you, it's not going to go well for you. Your money will not go well for you if you don't use it wisely. It really won't. Your spirituality will not go well for you. It just, it's just not going to happen. It's a shame that we have people who have powerful gifts of healing and refuse to pray for people. Just refuse it. won't do it. They don't want to take the chance. But God's invested something in them. I'm not talking mean, am I? No. Uh -uh. I'm, I don't think I am. Yeah. He says, but from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, that's what Jesus said, y'all. And then the next thing in this chapter is um, he talks about when the Son of Man returns. So all this was to help us to be doing what we're supposed to do. Uh, one of the things with the, the man, um, Jesus called him a wicked and lazy. The man accused God of being basically being wicked. See, this is vital. The way you see God ultimately is the way you're going to turn out yourself. If you think God is harsh and demanding, that's ultimately subconsciously, unconsciously, you will become how you view your God. If you view Him as loving, kind, and merciful, you will ultimately become a loving and kind and merciful person. Let me just show you that. I'm finishing here, but I want to give you these two other scriptures. If we think God's holding back on us, we will become people who hold back. That, that's just the way it is. That's the way, that's a spiritual, that's a spiritual law. That's the way the Spirit works. We can't do anything about that except for get a different view. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.18. So all of us who have had that veil removed, the veil has been removed, can see and reflect the glory of God. You can see and reflect His glory. See, what He's given us is a principle. What you see, you're going to reflect. If all you see is God holding you back and God's lacking, you're going to reflect that, quote, glory. The glory of the stingy God. The glory of the God who didn't heal. The glory of the God who held back. That's why this guy did this. Are y'all following this? Now, this is critical, I think. That's why all this they were doing up here about getting the Father's love and get your heart healed, that's why. So we could see Him for who He is. And we could become different people ourselves and begin to reflect His glory in the earth. 
And the Lord, everybody say, who is the Spirit? Isn't that an interesting verse? The Lord who is, he tells us who the Lord is on the earth. Who is he? The Holy Spirit. On the earth, the Holy Spirit is the Lord representing Jesus Christ who's Lord of all. We better pay attention to that. You uh, pneumophobia people, you ever heard of pneuma air, pneumophobia, I got a phobia against this Holy Spirit stuff. He's the Lord. Lord, I got that. Please help me. I don't want to do that. I mean, I need to be attached to, to the Holy Spirit. That's just a little throw in. The, the Lord who is a spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed in His glorious image. We're changing His glory. He's, what we're beholding, how we're seeing Him, more and more we will become that. We will be that. We will speak that. We will declare that. That's our transformation. That's being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Let me read this one more verse. Hallelujah, right? <laughs> Romans one twenty one. Yes, yes, they knew God. Wow, they knew God. These ain't some lightweight people here. These are people who knew God. They knew Him. That scares me. That scares me because of the rest of it. But they wouldn't worship Him as God. Can I just tell you this? And let me just go ahead and say that or give Him thanks. I was asking the Lord, Lord, what's most important to me? I'd like for you to tell me what's most important. And I felt like He said, no, what's imp- what, you tell me. I said, worship. So I said to Him, I think worship's the most important thing there is. I think there's nothing more. I think worship is the highest call that we will ever have. I think every other call comes out of worship. And so I feel like Christians who don't give worship, give them a revelation. That's why I said, well, I'm from the tribe of Judah. They were into that, right? That was, that's sort of my DNA. But I do believe worship is the highest call. And I think if we're true worshipers, we're going to wind up doing a bunch of awesome stuff. They wouldn't worship him as God or give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideals of what God was like. Foolish ideas. God's harsh. God's holding back. God doesn't heal. God doesn't love the church. God's not in the church. All those are foolish ideas about God. They're not God. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Does that not really kind of tell the story? That one verse to me tells a lot of stories. As a result of not worshiping God, as a a result of not being thankful, giving God the place He deserves, giving God the right thing for Him, because they wouldn't do it. And these were people who knew God. Remember? They knew Him. And that's what they were doing. And then, you know, confusion, darkness, sexual identity confusion. Come from? It comes from right here. That's where it comes from. And you start listening to people tell you a bunch of stuff that sounds right. That's that last week I talked about that false anointing, right? Of that Proverbs 5 woman that kit wants to kiss you and got their lips smooth as oil and words tasty as honey is a deceptive lying spirit. It's all, and then you, the last verse in Proverbs 5 is these men were walking down into hell. 
because of listening to that. It just destroyed their lives. Okay, that didn't sound very encouraging, didn't it? <laughs> so, but really what I'm, I want you to get, I hope you get this. God wants us to perceive what he's doing. God wants us to see what he's doing. And he's given us some real keys here, I think, of, of being wise. Get the oil. Go after the Holy Spirit. Get it. Go after the anointing. Here, here's a good prayer. God, I want your power. I want your power. Don't be stupid and say, I don't. Oh, I could never ask. Ask him for power. Ask him. I need your power in my life. I need your power to do what you've called me to do. I need power. If your electricity comes off, you're going to call Duke Energy. I need the power on because I can't function without it. Tell God the same thing. Call him up and tell him. I need your power, God. I don't have enough power. I don't have enough anointing. I don't have enough revelation. I don't have enough. I need more, God, in my life. And when the church starts tapping into that, I think the world will see the light. The light will be on us. Because I believe that's what God wants to do. It's the light that's in us is going to come up and rest on us. Amen? All right, let's stand up. I'm going to pray for you. If I was being too ugly acting, I promise you I don't feel ugly, mostly. There's a couple of things I feel a little ugliness about. but I, I, I always wanted to be a preacher who t- talked more in the what God is doing, what God can do, what God will do versus all the bad. But sometimes you need to say some things that are bad so we can... S- Help us to see that God has an answer for that. We're the answer. We're the answer. Jesus is the answer, and he's made us the answer. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We have something beautiful in us. It's going to come on you. It's going to come on you. So let's just ask the Holy Spirit today. Say, Holy Spirit. Spirit. I know you're in me. I know Jesus Christ lives in me. I just need more evidence in my life of that. I I agree with what Paul said in Ephesians 3. Paul prayed that the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon my inner man So Jesus Christ could live in my heart and I would be rooted and grounded in love. And God ultimately would do above and beyond what I'm asking and thinking. According to what? The power. The power that's in me. God wants that power to come up in you. God is interested in His power. He's interested in His anointing. And He's looking for people who would just say, I want that. I need that. And don't worry about your motives today. Let Jesus will talk to you about motives, believe me. He will. You know the best motive there is, though, is when you start seeing that Jesus Jesus is everything. Yeah. He's everything. When you really start seeing that and believing that, man, it just takes care of a lot of motives. I tell you. Lord, I ask you to 
help us all to see that Jesus Christ is the beauty of heaven. He's the beauty of Christianity. He's the beauty of the church. He's the beauty. He's our beauty. He's the best one. He's the glorious one. Lord, help us to give him honor and glory. This morning, um, when Byron and I were praying and doing communion, I I never know what he's going to preach, but I felt like the Lord was going to, I felt this phrase to ignite the fire. And I feel like I'm hearing the song from 20 years ago, Don't Let My Love Grow Cold. Light the fire again. Don't let my vision die. Light the fire. That was a song that fueled a major revival. And I just felt like we just need to ask the Lord for that, to ignite the fire. Shame. (laughs) Okay. I want to pray before we sing it. I just feel like there's many of us in the room that need, we really feel we're in a place where we need to be ignited, fresh. So, Lord, we just ask for that. We call out for it, Lord, that you would light the fire again. Lord, don't let our love grow cold. Don't let our vision die. Lord, light the fire again. Lord, there's nothing like when we're on fire, that connection we have with you. And we're asking you to do it again. You've done it before. Do it again. Lord, you spoke to me a few weeks ago. If we don't have a move, we're seeing a whole generation lost. And we're talking about many of our own children. So that this is nothing to play around with. If we don't get the oil, we could lose a whole generation of our own children. That'll wake you up. That will wake up your grandchildren. We need the fire. We need fire. We need fire. We need the fire. This is no joke. Wake us up, Lord. Ignite us. Ignite. Ignite us today, Lord God. We're calling out again to light the fire again. Don't let our vision die. Don't let our love grow cold. Lord, we're asking you for that. Lord, we're asking you for the generations under us. Lord, we're going to lose them if we don't have the fire. It's only the fire. Doctrine won't do it. What they've grown up with won't do it. It's the fire of the Holy Ghost. It's the fire of the Holy Ghost. It's the move of God. And we're asking for it. We're calling out again for it. Don't let my love grow cold. I'm calling out. Light the fire again. Don't let my vision die. I'm calling out. Light the fire again. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Let's respond to the Lord. Let's respond. Come on. Just come on and respond. This is an altar call. This is an altar call. Time to do business at the altar. I'm calling out. Light the fire again. Oh, Lord, we're calling out again. We're calling out again, Lord. We're crying out again. Oh. 
Refining the fire, naked and poor, wretched and blind, I come for me and wine. So I won't be ashamed, go like the fire again. Like a fire again. Oh, like the fire again. Don't let my love grow cold. I'm calling out like the fire. 